welcome to an all-new Talking Football Extra, Aufstieg Edition, your source for all things Bundesliga 2 and lower league football. Yes, Omnicron is running a riot throughout the entire world, but we're still here to talk about reduced stadium capacities, fan culture, police violence, and the newly crowned autumn champions of the Bundesliga 2. My name is Nick Wiltagen, and I have to say, for this edition of the podcast, the only thing I want to say is really, ole, 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 really, but more about that later on. However, my first guest, he is going to be the most giddy chap we'll ever have on this program ever. He was very giddy when his club won the German Blind Football Championship, but now his level of smugness is probably reaching the heights of unbearable. Welcome to you, Mike Krickemeyer. Ole, 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 Superhamburg, St. Pauli. Hi, Nick. <laughs> well, there you go. He's partying already. Uh, well, this podcast wouldn't be the same without our tactics expert, uh, the one who knows more about obscure subs on the benches of the likes of Auer and Sandhausen than most men know about their mothers. It is Jasmine Barber. I am not as excited as Mike is today. I'm actually really tired. It was a really sluggish performance on the weekend for us. Still second in the league, though, which is weird. I don't know how to feel. I feel kind of down about it. I was so much hoping that you join me in singing. Oh, well, hmm. I've got a big German name to try and pronounce later on in this podcast so you can judge me on that instead <laughs> okay all right we'll look forward to that all of that is to come all right here we go part one let's start with you mike and you know let, let's just get it out of the way you've probably been waiting for this all day long san pauli they had another stellar performance against schalke on the weekend it was a 2-1 win both goals coming from former schalke striker guido burgstaller which is kind of a funny side note and given that as jasmine mentioned in the intro darmstadt lost 3-1 against fortuna Düsseldorf on the weekend it means that St. Pauli will top the table after 17 match days of the season, which means they're autumn champions. So, Mike, any thoughts? Are you still in a beery sort of celebration mood? Or have you started reflecting upon what's been going on so far this season? Well, I will not start singing anymore, at least <laughs> I can tell you that. Apart from that, is there a word for being autumn champion in English? No. No, it's, it's, it's a German thing. I mean, the winter break is a German thing. And uh, I mean... To be first after the half of the season, there must be a word for that in English. <laughs> no, there's not. Every time this comes up, <laughs> like, it, oh no, no, there is not. In English, we don't put words together or make nice names for stuff like this in English. In Norway, we play, in Norway, we play the season by the calendar year. So, so um, you're not fun. <laughs> if you're autumn champions, uh, you know, you are the champions here in Norway, pretty much. Okay, well, yeah, let's come back to the Schalke game. Um, I, I just... Uh, still are so happy that uh, Guido Schalke, uh, <laughs> Guido Schalke. <laughs> has been sorted out of Schalke 18 months ago and this from my point of view is the really funny side note so they thought that he is too bad for them and well he proved them wrong I think on Saturday and in addition also the goal for Schalke has been scored by an ex-player of the opponent team it was Rodrigo Salazar who played in our colors last season 
When he scored that header, he quickly apologized to uh, the South stand uh, after the goal. And uh, it, it was quite funny because he made this uh, praying gesture. Uh, and well, after the game, he got a lot of applause uh, when he left the pitch. I wonder if it would have been the same if he scored another one. Uh, but when when we are winning, we are really gentle to all the opponents and the referees. And so we gave him a big round of applause. Well, uh, 35 points then from 16 matches, only three losses so far. I mean, how has Timo Schulz transformed this team from being a side that flirted with relegation last season into a side that looks more and more like a viable promotion candidate? Yeah, first of all, Timo Schulz was out for the last three games due to COVID-19, so we don't need him anymore. <laughs> now, of course, it's a great team effort uh, together with Luik Favé and Fabian Hürzler, who are both only 28 years old and uh, they coached the team in his absence. I think the actual flow is the result of really, really good work in the last two years. And it started with just Lu Kai leaving the club, installing Timo Schulz as a head coach, and then, of course, trusting in him when the start of the last season was really, really bad. So now this trust pays off from my point of view. So we do play a similar role as Bochum last year, who also got a great run in the second half of the previous season. And then they managed to bring this power into their promotion season. And of course, every time I hear someone saying something like, I don't want to be next year like Fürth is doing at the moment, I always reply, agreed, I want to be like Bochum and that would be really great next year if we finally manage to get up again. But in the end, when we look back at this season in a few months, we might remember that 4-0 loss at Darmstadt as the most important game of the season. Of course, beside our three derby wins and the glorious cup final. <laughs> there you go. I mean, side note on, on Greuterford, um, I think Zampaoli is going to actually has a higher wage budget than Greuterford already. And, uh, you know, Greuterford pretty much got to the Bundesliga by accident because most of the players they were having, like youngsters that went on a free transfer ahead of this season, they couldn't, they wouldn't have kept normally under without COVID-19. They kept them a year longer. The team got better, as teams tend to do. And now they're just scrambling for, you know, players to play Bundesliga football. And, um, you know, they're, they're currently looking like they're going to um, outdo Tasmania Berlin. But that is just simply down to the mechanisms of football and the finances of it all. Because uh, really, on nine out of ten occasions, they shouldn't beat any of the other 17 teams in the Bundesliga. So it's going to be a very, very long and tough season for them. And we'll, we'll see where they end up. Anyways, getting back to Zan Pauli. Jasmine, I remember that Holstein Kiel, when they were making waves under Tim Walter, the German tactics expert Tobias Escher invented the name Walterball. So if you were to coin a phrase for the way St. Pauli is playing football under Timo Schulz, what phrase would that be? And uh, how would you describe the, the former Werder Bremen man's tactics? Oh, if I'm being honest, I don't think you can kind of compare it to Walterball. So you need a new name. You cannot call it Schulz Ball, can you? No, I, I, maybe Diamond Ball? No balls. Diamond Ball? <laughs> it, there's no real 
it, it might sound bad while I'm saying this, but I don't mean it in a bad way. He doesn't have that much substance tactically or unique markers in a tactical way, the same way Tim Valter does. For anyone who doesn't know what exactly Valter Ball is, it's how the way he sets up his team with the pivot vacating the, the center of the pitch, uh, dynamic rotations, especially in the back four, which is really unique. All of these little things that make his possessional way of playing football his, his unique markers. And while Timo Schultz is a good manager, he has less of these markers tactically. But where he does, where his kind of strengths lie is being with St. Pauli for such a long time through the youth coaching that he's got, he knows the club inside and out, the kind of players that they bring in, the way that they play at youth level and how to develop them into a senior way and it's basically this whole club way of playing it's like game conception philosophy of play from there on out but maybe diamond ball because that's his favorite formation and it seems to really work for him he knows how to use it so i would say that's it all pauli ball if he gets into the pauli ball please we've both been told off I mean, for me, uh, for me, I mean, as, as you mentioned, he's not as um, as uh, fancy with his tactics as, as Tim Walter, <laughs> and you know, but that might not be a bad thing. I mean, uh, football is a results-driven game, and you know, so far the results prove him right compared to what uh, Tim Walter has achieved at HSV so far. But you know, as as you mentioned, he sort of keeps things a little more simple. So I would have gone for Schultz's sublime simplicity. That's way too long. That's yeah, a tongue twister. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a long career in, in advertising ahead of me. Timo Ball. Timo Ball. Timo Ball. Well, there you go. Anyways, uh, two matches left for St. Pauli. They're playing Fortuna Düsseldorf and Holstein Kiel on the road. So the gap down to the promotion playoff spot is seven points which is actually quite decent but both of these games should be tricky affairs so where are St. Pauli going to end up by the end of the year Mike? Well hopefully still at the top of the league on the other hand we always struggle in Dusseldorf it hasn't been easy for us in Kiel in the last few years but this season everything seems to be different apart from losing again in Darmstadt so I'm quite optimistic for Saturday uh, and if we manage to get at least three or four points out of these two games, that would be brilliant. And on the other hand, four out of five of the last autumn champions did not manage to get promoted in the end. So it's still a long way for us, even though two times it has been the HSV. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're just sort of starting to get giddy there because, you know, how funny would it be if St. Pauli plays in the Bundesliga and HSV plays in the Bundesliga too? But yeah, we're not even halfway there. Anyways, uh, most teams, they actually start uh, planning for the next season around this time of the year, actually. Um, so what divisions should St. Pauli's sporting leadership plan for this winter, Jasmine? I obviously, in our notes, misread the question and said what they should do in the coming months to prepare for the, the next season instead of which division. I would say, oh, I don't want to guess what division. Based on how the Spider Bundesliga plays out, I would say probably Spider Bundesliga next season, just because, as we've seen, like, Herbmeisters and them not being promoted, it, it happens so much, so many times. 
so on that. However, before the season, I said St. Pauli probably wouldn't do anything again. So me being the jinx I am, I think they will get promoted. Either or, they need to get Finn Olo Becker to stay. I think that will be easier if they're in the Bundesliga and maybe a long-term replacement for Bergstoller. Well, there you go. That's what you have to do, St. Pauli. And uh, everything will be simple from there on out. Whatever division you play in. Uh, anyways, let's change topics. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, all I really want to say for this edition is ole, ole, ole. And that is because the Bremen celebrated their most convincing win of the season so far when they smashed the big boys from the Erzgebirge. Well, they were not really big boys. They are quite shit this season. But anyways, new coach Oliverna got a smashing start with a 4-0 win that included a scorpion kick by Milos Valkovic. Who knew that he could do that? The striking partnership of Filch, Nicholas Filkrug, and Marvin Duksch worked like a charm. Uh, you know, I don't think that Werder Bremen has had such a good weekend in a long time. So what is Ola Werder going to do with this Werder side is actually the most important question for any Werder fan moving forward now. Jasmine, do you think he's going to do any sort of drastic changes compared to what was going on under now? disgraced former manager Marcus Anton? I don't know if you would like to hear this or won't like to hear this, but a lot of Oli Werner's whole philosophy is based on Marcus Anfangs because they were both at Holstein Kiel. <laughs> I don't mind Anfangs football. I I mind something else about him. I, I mean, the, the biggest change is that Oli Werner probably has a legitimate vaccine passport. I think that is honestly one of the biggest changes. But yeah, so Werner was the under-23s coach while Anfang was a head coach at Holstein Kiel. And after Anfang departed, Werner worked with all of his staff. So the only difference between them on the pitch is the difference of, of the role of the fullbacks. Anfang's fullbacks were inverted, which means they, play, they were used to playing in the half space while Werner's fullbacks are wider, like the more traditional fullbacks that you see. It should be a good fit, and that means um, Werder Bremen shouldn't have to go through a big transition as they did when they changed to Marcus Anfang. But, you know, as you said, it was against Auer this weekend. It's hard to see many improvements just because of how bad Auer is. But Olo Werner's a good coach. He did really good things with Holstein Kiel and um, we saw on that tremendous run that they went uh, last season to the very end there was things like COVID outbreaks within the squad they were through to the DFB Pokal final semi-final and it just all kind of semi-final thank you I was like I was like final that doesn't sound right semi-final I think it's because it was so late last year but yeah it, it, these things can take its toll and he just never got going with them again. And I think it was really commendable for him to step down when he did, because I think that was one of the things where you just need a complete change. He's really clever and for, what, 32, 33 year old to, to do the things that he's done under another Spider-League club, it's a really good foundation for the future. I mean, what strikes me about this change is that it actually seems somewhat thought through, which knowing Frank Bauman's work over the last couple of years has not really been his strong suit, if I'm being honest, if I'm being very critical of him. 
but you know, as, as you said, there there is a lot of likeness between them in their tactical setup and the way they want to play football. And really, the problem with Anfang was not the way he was playing football or how he set up the team. That it was the vaccine thing. It was it was the fact that the guy presumably faked his vaccine passport, and that's why he had to go. I, I just want to ask one question. If you are working in the merchandise department and you need to bring out your promotion shirt next year or <laughs> year after, whatever, will it be called Ole Werder or Werner Bremen? Werner Bremen. Werner Bremen. Absolutely Werner okay. Bremen. Works like a charm. Actually, uh, you know the, the fairy tale of the, of the four town musicians from, from Bremen? I know that. Yes. And there is a children's author called Janosch mm -hmm. who has sort of rewritten fairy tales and stuff. And in one of in one I bought one of those pictured versions of, of the uh, of the town musicians with his you know drawings and stuff and and one of the thieves the thieves that are you know um, evicted from the house by these animals one of the thieves actually has a T-shirt which says Werner Bremen so it uh, there might be a copyright infringement at play here that's all I'm saying. <laughs> But, you know, this is just, 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 uh, you know, uh, probably no one on earth is going to know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> let's just move on <laughs> to what was going on a little bit further down south. I mean, Werder Bremen so thought about that change. They made a sort of a somewhat considered and well thought out decision at this stage in the season. Hanover 96, they also decide to let go of their coach. Jan Zimmermann is out after arriving from Havel so only earlier this season. Now they put in charge caretaker Christoph Dombrowski, who has played football for Hanover 96 and Werder Bremen. He managed to get a 1-0 win in the cozy North Derby between the 96ers and HSV. Really an even match with a lot of VAR discussions that could have gone either way, really. But Linton Maynard scored the only goal of that match. Now, Hanover, right after the match, said, well, you know what, it just clicked between the caretaker and the team. So instead of, uh, you know, maybe having him only for the rest of the year, we are considering to give him the gig full time after one match. And, uh, you know, what could have been only three or four training sessions. What shall we make of that? I mean, that, that sounds as thought through as that Fronsic appointment was back in the day. It's very Hanover. It suits Hanover of this time. It, it's, not, it's not properly thought through. It's very trigger happy. So I feel like it's one of those appointments that we're getting view after another three months where they don't do anything. And we're just like, oh, maybe they shouldn't have done this, but... It, it, that club is further than the manager right now. I think that just shows it completely if that's the kind of decision they're gonna, going to make after one match. There's not much more I can say to that. But they, they extended uh, <laughs> his position until the end of the year, not until the end of the season, right? So only two more games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's two more games and, you know, they're, they're now considering to make it full time. I mean, the other candidates they were talking about apparently Uwe Rösler, who had some decent some <laughs> stay at Fortuna uh, Düsseldorf. You should see Jasmine uh, right now. She's really excited. <laughs> no, like, oh, um, seeing Uwe Rösler at Malmö, the only Malmö team that did not win a championship in the Allsvenskan and seeing his football... Mm, I, I I know his and what he did at Dussel. 
okay, Dusseldorf kind of 50-50, but I, I just don't find that a clever appointment either. I, I just can't, don't see it. The other choice was Daniel Tiun, who had a horrid time at uh, HSV, but, well, who hasn't? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and did well with uh, Falfell Osnabrück. So, I mean, that might have been a slightly better choice. But, um, I mean, what strikes me about Hanover is that the squad seems poorly thought out, that the scouting hasn't really been there for the last few years, that pretty much every department of that club is a little bit of a mess. And whatever coach you're going to put in there is not going to make a massive difference. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's, it's leadership issues from the very top. We've talked about before about Martin King and the other shareholders, owners, um, other board members in this tussle, in this clash that's been going on for some time. And yeah, I, there was some news about Martin King recently, but I can't remember what exactly it was. Uh, probably the because 50 plus one rule again, I think. Something like that. It's always the 50 plus one rule when it comes to Martin Kind or the fact that a transfer cannot be finalized because he's hiking in the mountains <laughs> during the transfer period, you know, as you know, most president of football clubs do when they have to sign off on transfers. Anyways, I mean, we're almost 25 minutes into the show and, and we haven't mentioned yet that, that we're not a vaccination podcast. But, you know, now that I've just gotten that out of the way, let me just update you guys on, on my vaccination status. I'm triple chapped since last Friday. Ooh. Yes. How do you feel? You know what? It's that vaccine is terrible. You know, I, I received an injection and you now there was really sort of like a tiny red mark there on my left arm. It was a grueling, harrowing experience. I mean, I didn't feel anything. I didn't get any fever or any any other sort of symptoms, but you know, that tiny red mark. <laughs> it's all that 5G shit, you know? No, I, I feel great. I feel great. And um, if you get the choice to get your third jab, you should do so immediately, says the nurse on the show. Anyway, someone who hasn't gotten any jabs whatsoever is Lukas Kwasniok, who's coaching Paderborn. Last weekend, he had to wear a mask due to uh, the regulations in North Rhine-Westphalia at football matches, which dictates that people who are not vaccinated have to wear a mask on the sideline if they're indeed going after their job. Now he had his mask on once again during the match against Sandhausen. Uh, Jasmine, you you are a keen observer of you know the more obscure matches of the Bundesliga two round. How how did that one work out for the man who says he will get vaccinated if uh, it's mandatory for everyone because he's a law abiding citizen? It was easy for him during the match because every time they turned to him where he needed to give instructions, his mask wasn't over his mouth or his nose. So his voice was traveling across the stadium perfectly fine. I'm slightly annoyed at Kwasniak, not in the same way I've been filled with pure anger around the Yasuo Kimmich situation or the Marcus Anfang one, obviously. However, in reports, his wife and children are fully vaccinated and he's not against vaccinations and has, as you've rightly said, if it was mandatory, he would go get one himself. So I don't understand why he hasn't just done it yet. He believes he's a young and healthy guy. Well, 
he's older and more unhealthy than some of the young and healthy people I know who are greatly affected by COVID-19. So no excuses, virus don't really tend to discriminate and can be dangerous, so please get vaccinated. My booster's on Wednesday, so I will update you all on that. Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, this just, I mean, people like that, you know, the, the, I'm young and healthy and, you know, this can't do... He's not young. <laughs> right, I mean, he's 40. He's somewhat young. Come on, I'm, I'm 35. I, I feel youngish. Um, <laughs> anyways, but, you know, the, these people, I'm, I'm young and healthy. You know, my body is my temple. I only eat raw food and, you know, my immune system is through the roof. You can all go fuck yourselves. I mean, the point of the vaccine is that you don't transmit the virus as easily to more vulnerable people than yourself and that's why you should get vaccinated and off i mean we're doing this to protect not just ourselves but the people around us that's the point and if you cannot fathom that you know very simple fact you complete idiot. <laughs> Anyways, well, um, well said. Do, do you send a note to Aiden that he needs to tick the explicit box for <laughs> iTunes? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> okay. Anyways, you know, given given that the use of the mask was as pointless as the use of the mask in Cats when it first premiered on Broadway, um, what, should the DVL do anything about this? Are they? Uh, should they just let it go? Uh, well, apparently, interestingly, I'm not quite sure of the rules anymore, which seems to be the case here in Germany anyway. If you live in one state and have to keep an eye on another state, I don't know. I completely missed it. In Hessen, he apparently he wasn't obligated to wear a mask. So, yeah, I don't think he will be charged with anything. I'm not so sure on that. So, um, I read that he didn't have to. So I'm not sure if it's DFL and just widespread or it is by area. I cannot find out. Well, there you go. Anyways, uh, this is it for part one of our show. We'll be back in a jiff with all the latest from the Lower Leagues. Welcome back to part two of the show. Well, there was some really big, well, almost breaking news coming out of Munich uh, that just reached my phone shortly before we recorded. Sascha Mölders, no longer part of the squad at 1860 Munich. The captain, out. You know, the Wumper from yeah. Giesing, out. No longer wanted at 1860. Harsh. Really harsh. And no, no details yet, right? No details Ooh. whatsoever. But, I mean, he's... I think I, he's the only man who has scored a Bundesliga goal with his ass, <laughs> as far as I can remember. So, any club letting him go without any explanation, it's a scandal. I just wanted to mention that, but, you know, let's just move on to the topics I've, I've <laughs> actually scripted. Well, um, Omnicron. Yes, we have to talk about Omnicron. Well, the 10... Nine or ten letters between Delta and Omicron in the Greek alphabet. So there have been a lot of mutations since, you know, Delta became dominant. But, but right now it seems like Omicron is going to be the new dominant mutant globally. And this time around there are so many mutations to the spike protein 
which means that current vaccine is probably not offer the same level of protection against infection. And that, of course, means that we are going to see a rise in infection numbers. And, you know, you all know that if you haven't been living on a rock. So probably not used to you. Anyways, given the steady rise of infection numbers, most countries have tightened their grip once again. And the rising infection numbers are due to the Delta variant. And now we get Omicron on top of that. And, you know, Germany has tightened its grip as well. So in the last episode, we spoke about the fact that Saxony has banned spectators from all football matches. So what is the current state of affairs in Germany, Mike? Are the lower divisions once again being hit very hard by new rules and regulations? Well, at least in most regions, you can still play. Apart from very few regions like Saxony, for example, they have stopped amateur football, I think. Or... It has been stopped like in Schleswig-Holstein and Hamburg just because of the season. So we do have December and that's in Germany still a winter break. Uh, so Hamburg will start again in January. Uh, I think also the most other regions plan a similar starting date. And Schleswig-Holstein has done some very smart planning already in summer and they want to start at the end of March. What seems to be quite smart and uh, probably the smartest decision of all regions at the moment. So, But all in all, I think that the lower leagues are much better prepared in general. Uh, hopefully, when temperature rises again, we will see all of them finishing their season. And in worst case, there will be a slight delay of, I don't know, a, a week or two. Uh, so I think most of them will deal more or less just fine. Yeah, the more important question, though, is how dire is this financially for those sides from, you know, the fourth division and downwards? Because these are the clubs surviving on selling tickets, beer, sausages, merch, and so on and so on. I mean, how? I mean, if, if you cannot get any spectators through the gates, you're basically, I don't know, you're, you're forced to sell online beers and shit. Yeah, and many do, actually, so... <laughs> Let's see how this works out in the end. Well, I, I think the situation has been difficult and, of course, it still is very difficult. On the other hand, as we talk about a sport that is done in fresh air, other sports like handball or ice hockey or basketball have a much more serious situation. As in most regions, there are less heavy restrictions for football or outdoor sports in general. So I think, of course... It's difficult for them. They are fighting every single day with the financial situation. Um, but I think for other sports, it might be even worse. Well, there you go. Changing topics ever so drastically. Once again, let's talk about something that's a little bit more fun. Police violence against fans. It does happen. Now, there was a case involving two fans from Bersgeschemie Leipzig. Uh, Jasmine, tell us what happened there and uh, where we're at now with that case. So this actually goes quite far back, February 2020, which is, well, for Western Europe, or a lot of Western Europe was pre-COVID, so I can't even remember those times. Um, but back in February 2020, BSB Kenny had an away game against Union Fürstenwalde when it started to rain. Kemi fans who were on the like uncovered part of the pitch tried to move to the part in the stadium where there was more cover and the police stopped them and there was a fan sitting on the fence who was suddenly and very violently and reactionary pulled down from the fence by two police 
and this young fan suffered a very large wound 20 centimeters on his leg and there was no first aiders in the Kemi end and was only luckily tended to by a visiting nurse in the away end that could help. The police did not help and on top of this what came out of the match afterwards was the police press statement saying that this fan had fell. The Kemi Fans Association sued the Brandenburg police who was there at the time in the state that it was in and the two police officers who dragged the fan in question but the district attorney dropped the proceedings at that time and it took quite a lot of time and the fan and the fan association went to the um, Oberlandsgericht Brandenburg which is the appeals court of that state and they finally ruled that the district attorney had to reopen the case and investigate which is really open news welcome news even especially after all this time and the injury that was sustained by a young fan i mean um, the thing is yeah. the cameras at, at matches and why do they think they can get away with it is one question i'm having and because they do well yeah yeah they do uh, i mean you know, I mean, there's nothing like on the scale of Hillsborough this, but, you know, the police got away with it for many, many years there. And it's, you know, they've gotten away with a lot of stuff. But there are more and more cameras everywhere. Why do they still think they can get away with it is, is, is my first question. And why do they want to get away with it? And the third question I'm having is, well, this is Brandenburg. Biscuit and me are a rather left-wing team. How sympathetic are the police in Brandenburg to left-wing causes and left-wing fans, Mike? Not that much, I would say. Of course, there might be some police uh, members who are sympathetic to them, but then probably they don't work with football fans. Yeah, if, if we want to discuss how common is police violence against fans in Germany in general, I would say it's, first of all, always a matter of perspective. So if you visit your home games in one of the upper leagues, you might wonder what this discussion is all about. You, you never faced police violence, probably. But if you travel to a lot of away games, especially if you do it with your supporters group and not on an individual basis, you will face issues with the police nearly every single trip. So there's a and difference between somebody who just arrives at the Hauptbahnhof on his own and you know, a group of, let's say, ultras yeah. traveling as, you know, 100 people in, in the same train. Sure. And also, if people arrive with buses, uh, it's, it's the same situation. They might already be stopped outside of the city, uh, checked on, on a parking place, uh, investigated. And um, yeah, it's, it's just different. And um, of course, when I say issues with the police happen nearly every trip. It's not as brutal as it has been in that BSK Chemie case. Um, not necessarily violence in the meaning of being punched or whatever, but fa facing oppression and restrictions in all kinds of levels. So being held at the station, no access to toilets, to food, to water, no chance to buy anything, stuffed into shuttle buses for many, many minutes for no reason at all, and so on. So you have even clubs where the police took surveillance on your private phone line. So this happens and it's an issue and a problem. On the other hand, 
when you travel with your club to Spain or to Italy, you might face real physical violence from the police. So it's a topic. It is a topic in Germany. It's a topic in all the other countries. Football fans are just a very easy target. They have no lobby. And therefore, I don't see that this will change in the near future, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in the public eye, I mean, when you read media reports from, you know, the sensationalist press, the way football fans are portrayed is, is they are violent yahoos and they need to be dealt with by the police. And, um, you know, whenever I've, I've gone to Bundesliga matches, Bundesliga 2 matches and third tier matches, I've always wondered, do you need that many police on the streets? And... Does the presence of the police, is it maybe a little bit counterproductive, given that it actually gives rise to more aggression than it would otherwise do? And thirdly, I mean, fans are forced to ID themselves if the police wants them to. But how is that for police officers? I mean, how can you go after police officers like these two fans have done? I mean, that has been a problem too in Germany, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So we, we do have some regions who where you need to have a number as a policeman so that you can write down that number and take actions afterwards. But in most regions, this is not the case at the moment. And still, this is a big problem. Well, there you go. But uh, any, anything that you would like to see being done about this problem? Yeah, first of all, this Kennzeichnungspflicht, uh, so uh, that you need to have that number that you can report that policeman. And I don't need to gender this. Usually most of them who do these violence acts are men. That, that would be one step forward at least. And then we can, t of course, also take other steps, but that would be the most important and probably also the most easy one at the moment. Yeah, I mean, being like, like you know, actually having to face the music if you do something illegal for a policeman. It might might hold them back a little bit. Anyways, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about something that we probably can't do for some time, or you know, to lesser extent at least, uh, with Omicron or you know all the fun stuff that's going around currently. Ground hopping! Hooray! Uh, Mike, <laughs> yes, you are a ground hopping guy. Uh, what diamond in the rough are you going to uncover for our ground hopping fans this time around? It will be quite boring, but I do have a reason for that. So we haven't touched the topic of Bakary Yatta today, uh, which came out in the yellow press. Um, and I would, as a matter of solidarity with Bakary Yatta, I will now do something which none of you would have ever expected me to do. I will recommend the Volksparkstadion of HSV. So for decades, it has been one of the most ugly stadiums in the world a whole big mess built from concrete and nothing else. It was built in the 50s with a capacity of 76,000 and the HSV moved in from their beloved Rotenbaum Stadium when the Bundesliga was founded in 1963. It was too big. It had a running track. It was far outside of the city. It was just a whole mess. <laughs> Full stop. From 98 to 2000, it was rebuilt, the running track was removed, the pitch was turned for 90 degrees. It is still ugly, still far outside of the city. But at least now 
you can show your support with Bakariata. We, we might come back to that in a second. So it was part of the World Cup in 74 as well as in 2006. And of course, it will be part of the Euro in two years' time. Um, HSV just got 30 million euro to renovate it from the city of Hamburg. But of course, they more or less already spent that money to pay their debts. So no need to hurry, guys. You will miss nothing of the ugly parts that they are there at the moment because they don't have the money to change anything. Brilliant. Anyways, uh, you can see Uwe Zeller's foot there as well. Yeah, that's that's something really nice. You're right. Yeah, I've been to the Volksberg Stadion. I've, I've been to the Lions Den. Uh, on two or three occasions and you know i'm i'm sort of like i'm, I'm you know i'm a Werder bremen fan i don't particularly like hsv it's uh, no one does well hsv fans do uh yeah <laughs> but the volksburg stadium and um you know as, as you say it's far outside of the city you have to go to stellingen uh which is sort of a mass of a place and Right with the S-Bahn back into the city is a. It's it's a whole mess. Don't not, don't spend much more time on it's that. It's not particularly pleasant, but um, Bakariata. Yeah. Why you know? Let's let's dig into that instead because um, yes, the H the Fosbo is actually it's rather nice on the inside. I, I'm going to I'm going to go as far as that. But anyways, Bakariata. Why why are you mentioning him? Why why do we need to show solidarity with him? Yeah, so there is a story going on. I don't know exactly for how long. I, I forgot to check that. I think it would be at least one and a half years, maybe even longer, uh, that the build and also the sport build, so both of them are more or less yellow press, just with sport coverage uh, on the outside. Um, they found some material saying that he is not Bakariata, he is Bakarita Fe. So he was cheating when he got to Germany. That's what they say. And they say it's a fake identity. Um, he came here as a refugee. And there might be millions of reasons if he is that person or the other person. And I would say it just simply doesn't matter. He's a human being. No human is illegal. And he signed a contract with HSV. He plays football. They like him to play for their club. And I just simply don't care what his name is. I don't care if he has cheated or not when he came here as a refugee. So the situation at the moment is that the defense attorney of Hamburg uh, filed charges against him uh, to prove that he faked his identity. And I would say they wouldn't have done that for any other person with that much energy if this wouldn't have been started by by build and sport build so they are the ones um, who kept trying to keep this topic alive and they still do and uh, so now today this has uh, been mentioned by all the media in germany again and i just would like to say again solidarity with bakariata i don't care what his name is He's a human being here in Germany. He plays football. And from a football perspective, at least, that's everything that should count. If there are any legal actions against him, okay, but that is nothing for the public. I mean, for me personally, you know, even if he faked his age, even if he got forged documents and, and such, um, I understand it from a human point of view. I don't, you know, I mean, if you if you have a terrible life somewhere else, you want to get to a better place and, you know, I, I mean, it just seemed like the thing to do, and uh, 
Honestly, I mean, once you, you haven't been found out the first time around, why you spend all this money and resources to figure that out? I mean, it's, it's you know, at this point, it, it's a relegation. It's going to be a trial, so nothing has been proven as of now. But when I started reading up on this case, I'm, I found an article from a while ago where it said that the investigation was still ongoing and that the DA in Hamburg actually had hired experts from the University of, I think it was Freiburg, yeah. to look at how Bakary Yatta was moving on the pitch to determine his age by the way he was moving. I didn't even know if that were experts for that. And, you know, they should have seen me this morning when my back hurt. <laughs> because I probably looked like a 93-year-old as I was trying to lift my four-year-old son. You know, I mean, taxpayer money... Money from that is spent by authorities that are investigating crime. Is there no serious crime going on in Hamburg that is worth spending this money on instead of this kind of bullshit? Yeah, well, last episode we talked about that Pimmel stickers. Uh, at least they are not removing them anymore. So, uh, But now they, they turned into something, well even more useless. So, um, yeah, you're totally right. I, I just don't understand why they put so much money and so much resources, so many resources into that. I just don't get it. Right. If the DA who is doing this case is listening, I, you know, I just would like to say, du bist so ein Pimmel. And you can go after me. <laughs> if you feel insulted by that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I think this was a lovely, <laughs> lovely note to uh, end on. So this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Aiden Ryan Tool has produced this episode with the utmost of care as always. Jasmine, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at jasmine underscore bh1 and I do normally articles on there and for DW Sports every now and then. Excellent. Well, if you want to find a giddy man who celebrates the Habsmeisterschaft probably pretty much through, throughout December and January and uh, maybe even until the end of next year, Mike, uh, where can people find you? And where can they find your work? Yeah, it's uh, Mike Kru on Twitter. So M-I-M-A-I-K-K-R-U-E. And, well might be more helpful to follow the Milan tour. <laughs> and look at the advent calendar. It's brilliant. Oh, I haven't seen any uh, any uh, comments from your side. Well, you will. <laughs> if I find the time between running and taking care of two children and working as a nurse. Okay, so you need to guess a, a, a brilliant goal from the history of FC St. Pauli. So if you're not a St. Pauli supporter, it might be really, really hard. So even for some St. Pauli supporters, it's quite difficult. I mean, I... I feel like the name Ebers is probably going to come up at some point. Ooh. Ooh, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, you can find me, Nick Wiltagen, on Twitter at Norm Musings. You can find the podcast at Talking Foosball. Make sure to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Uh, sign up for our Patreon channel. It's patreon.com forward slash Talking Foosball. There you'll get loads and loads and loads more German football related content. Uh, we'll actually have a episode coming up on uh, Robert Heutzer scandal, which is uh, something you might want to listen to 
to uh, in regards of the latest comes by Jude Bellingham. So that's to come on that Patreon channel. And um, well, on this channel, stay tuned for the fantasy boys James and Flo, who are going to tell you all the things you need to know going into the next round of the Bundesliga and what you'll need to do with your fantasy sides. And from us, our Talking Football Extra, after Edition, it's goodbye. Until next time.